You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 89, covering Sarek and Menage Troy. Hello, friends! We're here once again. For another fun-packed goddamn episode. Yeah, two episodes as a, as a matter. Yeah, actually. And we don't have a guest this time, which is weird. We've, we've, had, we've had so much company, it's just been a while since it's just been me and you, Matt. Yeah, it's really nice to get back to, get back to basics. You know, you, me... Two episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> Having to write a summary, both of us. A, can- a candlelit dinner for two. Yes, uh, sharing that string of spaghetti. Yep. Where, you know, I nudge the meatball at you with my nose, and mm-hmm. then we we end up slurping the spaghetti, and... Uh... Yep. Yep. So why don't I talk about Sarek? Yes, let's how about that happen. <laughs> okay. How? Yes, let's how about that happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's some great grammar there, Lou. Bet your ass. All right. So I'm talking about the episode which is called Sarek. Oh, man, remember Spock's dad? Captain Picard sure does. And he's somehow even more excited than we are that the 7,000-year-old Ambassador Sarek is coming to the Enterprise D to negotiate a treaty with... Who the hell cares? Sarek is here! From Journey to Babel! And Star Trek Three And Star Trek Four. Sarek, you guys! Sarek! The Ambassador arrives with his latest wife, a human again, naturally. Somebody's got Earth fever. And promptly goes <laughs> for a little lie-down because he's 7,000 years old. Meanwhile, somebody must have sent Gene out for coffee or something, because suddenly the crew is actually arguing among themselves and having, you know, conflict. What this really means is that Wesley almost slugs Geordi over an argument who's more pathetic with the ladies. <laughs> then Gene comes back with the coffee and everyone settles down. Now it's time for one of those rollicking parties the Enterprise is known for. A Mozart recital! Sarek and his entourage show up and enjoy the concert, featuring star violinist and noted diva Data, and the ambassador is so moved by the performance that he actually cries a single tear. Which doesn't sound like a big deal, but remember, he's a full-on Vulcan, not a half-breed like his kid. It's kind of a big deal for him to cry even a little bit, unlike Spock, who laughed and cried about 30 times more than, say, Scotty or Chekhov. Suddenly, Troy's empathic abilities actually work, and she can sense the single tear, which is more than she's ever sensed ever. Except that Picard also sensed it using the power of looking over at Sarek. (laughs) Shrieking, don't look at me, Sarek flees from the concert. Data, who should be insulted by this, does not shed any tears because he's fucking hardcore. (laughs) Meanwhile, more conflict happens in various parts of the ship, leading me to assume that they sent Gene back out for donuts or something. We even get to the point where you think Picard and Billy Boy might hit each other. I honestly do not know who I would bet on if that fight actually happened. (laughs) Realizing that his beloved visionary characters have been fighting, Gene demands an answer, prompting Beverly to discover that Sarek apparently has Bendai Syndrome, a type of Vulcan Alzheimer's that weakens his emotional control and spreads his raw emotions to the crew telepathically. After some world-class toadying from his handlers, Sarek finally concedes that, yes, okay, he did cry at the concert and also at the end of Star Trek II. Unfortunately, they can't call off this important diplomatic thing because Sarek has been planning it since before your son burned hot in space, and it has to happen (laughs) here and now. If only there were someone available to meld with for additional mental control. But who on the Enterprise crew is badass enough to prop up a fucking Vulcan who's having difficulties keeping his wits about him? If you answered Jean-Luc fucking Picard, you were correct. Five points to Hufflepuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, Sarek might... Sarek melds with JLP and completes the negotiations. JLP, meanwhile, gets the opportunity to shout and cry and all the other things Patrick Stewart can do an impressive range of acting, but hardly gets a chance to do as Picard. 
His mission fulfilled, Sarek takes his leave. But rest assured, Bendai syndrome is incurable, and he'll spend the rest of his days gradually going insane and completely losing the most important thing to any Vulcan, his emotional control. Hey, that's not a happy ending at all! No, it most certainly is not. No, there's apparently the behind-the-scenes bit was that uh, Gene, as we have hinted, uh, Roddenberry will not be alive for much longer. No. I think he finally passed in early season five. Um, And uh, apparently he was already starting to to fail at this point, already kind of losing his stuff. And and the writers kind of knew this, and there's a bit of that in Sarek. What did he die of? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm sure okay. it's easily available, but I... It, it, uh, I I would assume either cancer or just general oldness. <laughs> he wasn't that old, actually. Really? I think he was only in his 60s. Oh, wow. Okay, then probably cancer. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I honestly, like I said, I'm sure we could look it up, but uh, <laughs> here in the closet, I don't have access to that information. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't be bothered. Yeah. Now, and and you had mentioned that uh, you have a family member kind of going through something similar, and it's yeah, a little, it's, it's, little bit rough it's to rough, watch. Man, this episode yeah. kind of hit close to home. There's a there's a part in this where he's trying to uh, meditate, and he's doing a whole uh, staring. He's like sort of staring off into space, and I'm just like, yeah, I've seen that expression. Yeah. Really good acting. Um, yeah. Amazing acting. <laughs> so my good thing. Well, we've talked all season about how much of a badass Picard has become, but. This really takes it to a whole new level. A fucking Vulcan is leaning on him for stability and mental control. I mean, just think about that. He's got a Vulcan with him, but he's mm-hmm. not good enough. Picard... Well, he's not a very good Vulcan. Uh, he's pretty good. Mm. He's just young. But Picard is more Vulcan than anyone. Yeah. And then later, when he's representing Worf, we'll see that he's more Klingon than anyone. He just... Mm-hmm. He can... Ah, uh, he's so good. That kind of calls back to his whole Renaissance man thing. He will, he will actually become interested in other cultures to the point where he will become better at it. Yeah, than and, actual members of that culture. And and it actually speaks to his whole, uh, you know, being a great diplomat thing. Yeah, which I really like. He's he, you know he's so immersed in their cultures. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is one of those things that just sort of makes perfect sense as they built it up over his over the course of the series. Well, but also, also this specific trait of his because mm-hmm. he does repress his emotions. He does you know, keep very tight control over what he expresses versus what he feels. Oh, absolutely. And we'll learn later that he had kind of a wild, you know, youth. Mm-hmm. And he's since really disciplined himself. And now we see, well, this is, you know, he apparently ran over, uses... ran over someone with a car and had to hide the body. <laughs> As we'll see in Tapestry. Yes. Uh, my bad thing, it was really, really hard to find a bad thing. This episode seriously is in my top five, maybe like my top three of any next gen episode. I love it so much. This it is a absolutely fantastic goddamn episode. It's, it's not just good because it's a callback to the original series, which we'll go into in a minute, mm-hmm. but for the acting and just the way everything's handled and just every piece of it. So I'm gonna have to kind of cop out and say, God damn it, Brian, uh you ruined Sarek for me. He may be my single favorite secondary trek character, and now I can't not hear Vincent Price when he talks. God damn it. <laughs> Number Ew, one, Spock, <laughs> which is unfortunate. So, Ew. how about this you? This is pretty whiskers. That's uh, yeah. I don't know if they, well, yeah. I guess they would listen to the other show, so they'll they'll know that they better. Yeah, know what's good for them. We make two shows. Damn it. <laughs> uh, what about you? Good thing, bad thing. Okay, uh, my good thing. Uh, the scene between uh, Sarek and Picard in Sarek's quarters uh, when Picard finally confronts him about his illness is incredible. I didn't realize it until we were watching this for the second time, but that conversation take it's is just the entire act. Yeah, it, it unfolds in like eight to ten minutes. I mean, it's yeah. just two guys in a room, and the gradual escalation 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts with Sarek saying, well, I'm a logical person. Let's hear your arguments. And gradually he's screaming at him. Yeah, it's just, and it's so, the, right at the end when Sarek, it sort of dawns on Sarek that there's something very wrong with him and there has been for a while. He just sort of, he starts screaming hysterically and then just sort of calms down. And you can see Picard in the background and he just looks broken. Well, and, and I hinted at this in my summary. Picard, there's really this great hero worship thing, and it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice sort of audience surrogate thing because we're excited to see someone from the original series, and Picard's excited for us. And I also think this works well just because he's not, like, a main character from the oh, original yeah, we're, series. Oh, yeah, we're easing it. Like, the, the, the series is comfortable enough now that we can start acknowledging the past. Yeah. But you don't have to have Spock or, or Kirk or Scotty or somebody like that. It's It's one of the second tier guys, which is good. Like, if we'd had uh, Picard be all fanboy about, say, you know, Kirk showing up or whatever, it yeah. wouldn't, it would have been a lot more like, uh, really? Yeah. No, it would have been like, a little Like, it doesn't work like this does. No, because he's an ambassador, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. And he's an ambassador that's been serving the, the Federation for, like, 150 years. So, of course, he'd be a legend. Yeah, the thing that really impressed me was that Mark Lennard, you'd think, okay, he was in the 60s show... He's probably going to be kind of a cheesy, campy guy, but he wasn't. He was every bit as good as as uh, as Patrick Stewart. And the scene we're talking about, those two are totally fucking equals. He's just got this fucking gravitas that's just amazing. The guy is absolutely amazing. And for someone who did, like, what, one role on a 60s show... Yeah, and he came back like, to the movies very briefly. Yeah. He, but I mean, like, the first time you know, they... to focus on him primarily, and he... Yeah, but I mean, like, they wouldn't have hired him with, like, oh, this guy has to be an incredible actor. It'd be more like, we need to hire a dude who can play Spock's dad for 40 minutes. Yeah, but I was reading about how he came to the role and how he really wanted to do it justice. And Mm -hmm. he and uh, Nimoy spent a lot of time together really nailing the role down. And Nimoy says he's the only guy that really played Vulcan like the way he did. He he wasn't doing Mm -hmm. a Nimoy impression. He was just trying to be a Vulcan in a different way. And and Nimoy really respected the hell out of him for it. And I thought that was really cool. That is really high praise, too, considering the amount of... uh like the amount of work that Nimoy put into creating yeah, absolutely. Spock and Vulcans in general. I, I just love Sarek. I love, and and really the, the father-son thing, the sort of disappointment of the father, really pays off in the Spock episode coming up in season five. Mm-hmm. But it's been this ongoing sort of subtle thread where he didn't approve of him going to Starfleet, and he, there's always this sort of undercurrent of, of disapproval, which sort of comes up here. Mm-hmm. But overall, I just, I love it. And and really giving him a full hour to, to show off what he can do and showing the, the, the depth of the character was fantastic. Yeah, it's just amazingly well yeah, done. Uh, what about your bad thing? <clears throat> My logic is flawed where episodes of this good are concerned. Uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a cop-out, Matt. Oh, no, it completely was. There, look, you had the same problem, and I yeah, am yeah. not annoyed by Brian's antics, so <laughs> I couldn't even go on that. No, it was just hard for, harder for me to take him seriously when I initially just heard, you know, Vincent Price in there. Well. Yeah. I got over yeah, no, it. This, this, I, I could not think of a bad thing about this episode. No, it's, like I said, it's way the fuck up there. Because it's a, a, an homage to the original series, but as we say, not, a, not an overt one. Yeah. And because of the acting and because it's such a great Picard moment and because of all the conflict between the crew. Like, we'd never mm-hmm. seen anyone fight before. No, that was when uh, when Jordy and uh, Wesley f- first start going at it. It's really off putting because, yeah. frankly, you're not used to seeing Jordy get mad at anyone. Nope, 
He's he's the affable guy. He's the lovable guy. Everyone gets along with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, a couple of, or last week when he didn't like Barkley, it was just sort of a yep. rolling. Well, I assume he was rolling his eyes. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, whatever he. They does. told him he was rolling his yeah, eyes. Yeah, exactly. Poor guy. <laughs> but no, it, it's just weird to see them almost, you know, hit each other. And yep. while I said I have no idea who would win in a fight between Picard and Riker, uh, between Wesley and Jordy. <laughs> that is not your main event. That is your uh, waiting for waiting for fight patrons to stream into the theater because that is not going to be something you know. I just love the idea of uh, the idea of just scrapping them doing and that biting. sort of close up slap fight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 exactly. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I, I do like uh, I do like uh, Jordy's. <laughs> Spending an evening in with a good book. Oh, yeah. Very Reading Rainbow. <laughs> I always forget about that because I never watched Reading Rainbow as a kid. It came uh, just as I was getting too old for it, and I was aware of it, but I never watched mm-hmm. it, so I really missed sort of the specific examples. Not a huge part of my childhood. Yeah. No, and it was around for years and years. Like, it only just oh, yeah. ended, I think. Yeah, no, uh, Reading Rainbow was like uh, LeVar Burton's <clears throat> baby for just ever. Yeah, which is weird. I think of him as Jordy, and I also remember him from Roots, but uh, mm-hmm. I always forget about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, in my head, he's Geordi first, just because, yeah. you know, it's Star Trek. Of course. But, you know, Geordi, also reading Rainbow. Right. Also, that was the first time I realized as a little kid that if you were an actor, you could do more than one job. Oh, yeah. Uh, back to Sarek. I loved that he was, because he's an ambassador, they mm-hmm. don't do that usual trick that they do with Vulcans, where they show up and the humans are all like, I'm happy to see you. Well, I am not happy to see you because I'm a Vulcan and fuck you, I don't have emotions. They didn't do that. No. Which is great. They Instead, you know, he's an ambassador. He's diplomatic. Mm-hmm. He's like, thank you. It is also agreeable to see you. How you doing? I've always hated that sort of take on Vulcans. Cause, it's like, just the easy way guys, out. Those guys and humans have been, like, founding members of the Federation forever. Yeah, they, like 200 years. We're, we're about as BFF as you can get. Yep. And that's one of the reasons I really didn't like Enterprise, because they just treated them like these condescending jerks. Oh, is that what humans do? Yeah, oh, and you stink, too. Mm. Shut up, dude. Did they really do a human stink joke? Oh, they do that. They, that was a that was a thread throughout at least the first season. I kind of gave up on the show after the first season. Really? But yeah, the Vulcan officer, the chick, kept talking about how it smelled there. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was terrible. That's fucking Yeah, it is. Dumb. Well, we'll get there. Ugh. But they didn't write Sarek like that. Fortunately, he's no. he's an ambassador, and he's and he keeps marrying Earth women. Well, so he's got a what? soft spot for humans anyway. But he's also, you know, the ambassador to Earth, mm-hmm. so he's got to deal with humans all the time. So you know, he's got to mm-hmm. be nice to them. Well, you know what they say: once you go human, you never go. Um, yeah, human. <laughs> this was the most rumored. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, What's that, Scoob? There was a great, uh, there, was, there was a great sort of classic comedy, almost slapsticky thing, where uh, Picard and Worf are walking down the corridor, and and like, have you noticed that people are a bit on edge? No, I have not noticed that. And then the ten forward doors open, and everyone's fighting. Oh, yeah. it's such a you know broad comedic thing, but it was you know it was still funny. It's nice to see uh, uh, O'Brien not starting the fight. No, he didn't start it, but he was definitely, you know. He's damn sure certain going to finish oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, I was I was thinking, you know, maybe they would play the Irish card there. Although, in in the string quartet, I noticed he used to be part of that, and now he's not mm. anymore. And I wonder if they kicked him out because he was Irish. 
Yeah, they fired him in, in they fired him in favor of, of Lieutenant Oldest Man in Starfleet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay, there's like a 70 year old lieutenant. Yep, sitting there playing the violin, and I'm pretty sure he had the same deal that Picard did in Tapestry, where yeah. he was a, a really important guy, and he went back in time and pissed off Q, and now his punishment is that he's nobody. Yeah, challenge Q to a fiddle contest. Right, and so now he's still playing the fiddle, <laughs> but he doesn't get to be an important admiral or whatever anymore. I'll never, I'll never be an admiral now. <laughs> but <laughs> Admiral Johnny. <laughs> no, I love, I love. The devil went back to rise a four. <laughs> I love the um, the whole hero worship thing. Like I said, mm -hmm. I, there's a whole bunch of stuff where Picard's gradually gotta tell Sarek, like tell his people and tell him. And yep. it, oh, it's so terrible. And there's a point where Data's talking to the Vulcan uh, advisor, mm -hmm. and they're sort of trying to feel each other out and out logic each other and. Yeah, those two were great together. Yeah, I could watch were. those two hang out all day. And, he, and the the, the uh, advisor's like, so how's Captain Picard at negotiating? What if something were to ha Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just asking. No reason. What are you saying? Yep. No, it's great. And and later, when Sarek sort of calls him to task, have you been using your Vulcan powers to, you know, to help me? Uh, the, the human guy speaks up mm. and answers for him. Mm. Which is a really nice, subtle thing to the fact that Vulcans don't lie. Yeah. And Sarek sees right through it, and he's like, I didn't ask him, I asked you. I don't remember asking you, Mendrosa. Yeah, oh, Men Mendrosen. Mendrosen. Yes. Key Mendrosen. Which is totally different than Mendoza, Matt. Yes. Entirely different. Very well. There's a there's a great bit after uh, Sarek and Picard meld, and he walks out, and he's, and he's just, uh, you know, I'm on the bridge, number one, or something like that. And just hearing Sarek say number one is, you know. Yes. No, I I, I really liked uh, sort of Sarek taking on some of Picard's quality, qualities. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. Yeah, I, we were toward the end at this point, and nothing felt rushed exactly. Like I kind No, but this could easily have been, like, you know, an hour and a half or something. Yeah, but I don't know. I also like that we never saw the aliens that he was uh, negotiating with. See, I think that's an interesting take. I would have I liked to have seen... Uh, some of the negotiations going on there. I would have liked to have seen, you know, sort of Sarek. No, because I think they were. With... I think they were beside the point. Mm. I think we've solved the main problem, which is how does he keep his shit together for it? We seeing them was kind of incidental, I thought. Mm. And especially, I mean, I don't care about seeing them. I just want to see him, right, do his negotiating. No, I think they made the right choice, uh, focusing on Picard, like mm. being the brunt of the the awfulness. Yeah, Picard. Yeah, he, was awesome. he goes through this really great range of every emotion possible. Mm. And Beverly's sitting there, kind of comforting him. Yeah, and he's just like snapping between the between them, like super quickly. Oh yeah, laughing, it's really and crying, cool. and yelling, and whatever else. And he's, he's great. yelling and crying and carrying on. Yes, giving a care, <laughs> not giving a care, carrying a hoot. Yes. And and at first I was like, why is this not Troy? Why is Troy not here? You know, mm. dealing with this. And then he sort of cries on Beverly's shoulder. I'm like, okay, that's why. Yeah, he's he, Plus, he needs someone. This feels like one of those things that like Troy would get like overwhelmed by and just be more use, useless. Yeah, that's true. But I also apparently one of my jobs as we go along in the series is thinking of reasons for for Troy to be terrible at her job. At her job, you're the uh, you're the Troy excuse machine. Yeah, I guess I'm just hoping for Marina Sirtis to send me a no a no prize. <laughs> you know she's like sixty now, right? Yeah, still kind of hot though. Yeah, I haven't seen her lately, but I assume so. I saw her a couple of months ago. Trust me. Oh well, good, good for you. 
Mm-hmm. She remembered me that one time that I talked to her at a con. Oh, yeah, she asked about you. Oh, good. That's great. Good. I hope she's doing good. Um, no, I, I really... I, I At first, I wasn't sure why it wasn't Deanna, and then I realized, well, Picard needs someone he can be that vulnerable to and that yeah. horrible to. And, and while I don't really like the whole romantic tension between him and Beverly thing, I do like that they're close enough. Yeah, the, that there if, is still a relationship Yeah, and if there. he's going to break down in front of anyone, that it should be her. Mm. And that, that that made sense. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, um, Worf was talking about uh, Ensign Diamato. <laughs> Always nice to have that guy back. Oh! oh! Which I, I assume is either his descendant, or maybe he got trapped in a time warp, or who knows? Like oh, frozen. sure, why not? I don't know. Everyone else from that era did. No, surprisingly not. I mean, Sarek and Spock aged naturally. Yeah. Actually, Bones aged naturally, too. Scotty and Kirk are really the only ones. And I guess that's true. And Scotty... Because no one else showed up. We never hear from no. Sulu or... Uh, or Uhura or Chekhov. Chekhov or Uhura. Yeah, or even any of the lesser guys like Rand or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nurse Chapel. So no, and, and Kirk's was like a weird mystical whatever thing. Yeah. And Scotty was a very engineering thing. So like, Scotty in particular, I like because the reason he's in the future is because he's a good engineer. Yeah. It sort of ties to his character. I, I guess most of it comes from uh, shocking no one in some, in the uh, in the New Frontier novels. Uh-huh. But halfway through, uh, Emeris and, uh, oh, God, what the hell is his name? Eric's? Eric's show up uh-huh. from being caught in the time warp for, like, however long, oh, and then they see. just end up joining the crew. Yeah, see, that never, like, Kirk is really the only one you could fairly say that that happened to. That's true, yeah. And and even that was sort of you know more no no I would say that's that's pretty much a straight up time warp situation there yeah um, oddly enough I was just reading like we had some technical difficulties a minute ago and I was looking at my reader and there's a rumor now that they're going to do a new animated series really yeah it's still just a rumor whatever mm-hmm. and they're hinting at it but yeah well, we talked about that a long time ago we did about how cool that would I, be that is my preference if they're going to do a series because that yeah. would be less that would take away less from the next movie I think. Mm. It would be a whole different thing. And it would let you be able to do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, animation now can be great. Like, you can, it was so much better than Filmation. Yeah. In my head, they go exactly Filmation again, Oh, though. yeah. No, and even this even joked about how, you know, hey, they could meet the devil again. Be, oh, you mean the Rolliker? Yeah, oh, excuse me, the Rolliker. His, <laughs> I was trying to avoid the cliche, Matt. <laughs> How are we... Men call me the Rolliker. Everyone I don't think they that. do. Matt, how are we not talking about Sarek? Really? <laughs> this was just so great. Oh, it's a great episode. Yeah, it is. No, and I, I honestly think the problem is it's one of those just we could gush on and on and on. I don't have a lot of funny stuff to say about it because no. I just, I seriously, this is, of the 178 episodes they did, this is in my top five. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. I mean, preference or not, this is, like, you can't argue that this is one of the finest episodes of TNG we've watched so far. Even if you're not a fan of the original series. Even if you just straight up yeah, do I not like the true. original series. Sarek is just an outside character, another diplomat of the week. It's still mm-hmm. great. It's just the extra fan service on top of that makes it even better. Yeah. But the, the, the base, you know, the base story... Of an old person losing his control and Picard stepping in and helping him mm-hmm. is just fantastic. Well, and you know, making that par- character of Vulcan, Sarek or not, you know, that's yeah, you know like, what that's that a means. Big deal in this episode yeah. is just the idea of a Vul- like a, a Vulcan's version of senility or Alzheimer's or whatever yeah. is just being completely out of control of their emotions. Well, and I love how scandalous that single tear was. That's yeah. I mean, I made a big deal out of it in my summary, but really, everyone does make a big deal out of it. He cried, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, they're freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And they should, because he never, you know, they don't do that. 
Vulcans cry too, Mr. Lebowski. Vulcans <laughs> cry too. Troy at one point mentions that uh, Vulcans repress their emotions. I think that was a very poor choice of words. I think they control yeah. their emotions. Repressing makes yeah, it sound like very. It's been very well established that Vulcans like the reason they they uh, they control their emotions is because they feel them so intently. Oh yeah, they're in, they're crazy savages by default. Yeah, and the only way to to overcome that is to you know meditate and and be logical and you know mm-hmm. not be a crazy jerk. <laughs> First rule of Vulcan: Don't be a crazy. Yeah, jerk. Yeah, that was the the writings of of, of Surak. Yes. Don't be a crazy jerk. He came down. And Surak said unto the Vulcans, "Dude, fucking calm down." He came down from Mount Silea with the tablets. Why you got to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Be a dude. <laughs> Um, one of the, oh, it was uh, Federation, one of the, mm-hmm. the the novels that both of us quite like. Yes, uh, did this, one of the best uh, Trek novels. Well, they, they, they did a, um, they did a crossover, well, not exactly a crossover, they did two sort of parallel stories with Kirk and then with Picard, mm-hmm. and one of the ways that they connected the two characters was that they have both at some point melded with Sarek. Yes. And they both sort of have echoes of him as the, as you pick up their stories, which I thought was a very cool linking device. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that, that Picard, when he melds with Sarek, feels a tiny remnant of Kirk from when he melded with him a hundred years before or whatever, which is it's yeah. a very cool way to tie them together, I thought. Yeah, no, it, and I like, one of the things I like about that book was it's not like a straight crossover. No. They sort of... They're like, parallel stories. The way it sort of ties together. Yeah, and, and they sort of meet, and I won't spoil it yeah. for any of you who, who would like to read it. Yes, but they, because you should. Yes, absolutely. It's probably the, the best Trek book. Like, if you had to read one, mm-hmm. I would say read that one. Yeah. Now, like, the more I think about it, the less I like the idea of Kirk and Picard meeting. Yeah, we'll see. I liked Generations, but we'll get there later. Yeah. For now, this is this is the only proper, apart from Bones' cameo and uh Yeah, Carpine. I mean, cameo. Nothing really happened no. there other than him sort of being all like, all right, good luck. Yep. This is a good focus episode on on the original series. And the show is now confident enough that it has its own voice that they can do that without feeling Mm. like they're being overshadowed. And they're right. We've had a a pretty fucking great season. And Sarek can step in and and like, oh, yeah, we're part of the same universe. Cool. How you doing? That's awesome. Yeah. But we're still going to next week. We're going to go do our own thing again. Yep. And it's nice. It's it no longer feels like this, you know. This legacy that they have, and it more feels like they're building this this bigger thing. Yeah. Which I really like. And DS9 did that even better because Ron Moore was a big fan of the original series and was not... By this point, they were completely emerged from the, the shadow of the original, and so you could just yeah. embrace the old Klingons and the Orions and the Tribbles and you know, just mm-hmm. all that stuff. No, at that point, you're just like, look, people still love Star Trek. Yeah. We can work it's all tied this. together. All Star Trek is all part of the same thing. We'll just use mm-hmm. bits from here and there, which yeah. is very nice. No, I, I just, I adore this episode, and, and I've been looking forward to this all season, and we're coming up on Best of Both Worlds next week, and I don't know, I might be more excited about this one, to be honest with you. Really? We'll see. I don't know. I mean, that's a great episode. I think it hurts because I've seen that one so much. Mm. That's, you know, you did watch it over and over again, it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be great, but, you know. Mm. This one's always like, oh, yeah, Sarek, I forgot about that one. I forgot that this is awesome. Yeah, somehow I keep forgetting that. Did you ever read the uh, the Sarek novel? I had the abridged audiobook, so not really. Ugh. It was cut by like 75%. Uh, Trek novels were notorious for that shit. I had one that cut a full novel down to about 45 minutes. Yeah, the, the audiobooks are garbage. Yeah. That's where I learned the lesson that if you're going to listen to an audiobook, you have to make sure it's unabridged. 
Yeah, otherwise it's not worth yeah. your time. Otherwise. So no, like, I, didn't I have a read copy it. of uh, IQ here, uh-huh. which uh, read by uh, John Delancey. Right, you think that's going to be great, and, but it's it's only like a yeah, quarter of and the then, book. Oh, ten minutes long. Yep, big deal. Yep. Was the did you read Sarah? Was it any good? I didn't. I had a copy, but I didn't read it because uh, when I got it, I was a kid and I was like, "Who gives a shit about Spock's dad?" Yeah, exactly. Now, like me, I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, there, there, were, and there were a lot of little nods. There was, um, he introduces his new, you know, Earth Fever wife as uh, she who is my wife, which yep. is how he introduced Amanda in uh, Journey to Babel, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole speech that he has about I wish I could have shown my wife, you know, that I loved her and all that, which is echoed in uh, the Abrams Trek movie when Amanda is is uh, you know un- <laughs> dies with Vulcan. Yeah, and he says almost exactly the same thing to Spock. Like, I wish I yeah. I told her how much I go for, which was a nice nod by those guys. Like, hey, we understand this character. Yeah, well, and also we talked about this when we did the episode or the movie, but like it sort of ties up that uh, whole Spock Sarek thing. Yeah, they don't have the way quicker than it, than ever happened in the uh, the original. Well, and series. I like, I mean, I like that aspect. I like. Yeah, no, that, I do as I do as well. That these these two guys are carrying that around their entire lives. Mm. But it is nice in the new continuity. We have something else entirely going on. Yeah, there's there's too few Vulcans left for these two to to, to resent each other. Yeah, they have to. You know, they're gonna have to work together. Because you know, mm. there's no more Vulcans. All right. Well, I think I think that's about it for this one. Like I say, this is, I I could go on and on about how great it is, but that's not funny. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's one of my best. Uh, my quote is: I'm I'm copping out a bit here because there's a great fight between, as we said, between Wesley and Jordy. Mm. <laughs> there's actually for a while it looks like this is going to be the episode where everyone yells at Wesley because then the next scene of an emotional outburst is uh, Doctor Crusher yelling at him. And you're like, oh, so everyone's just going to yell at Wesley for an hour. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I can get behind sure. that. Sure. Um, but I almost went with that. But then uh, Picard, uh, as Sarek, just having his emotional outbursts, is uh, is sitting there, and he's saying, muttering a bunch of different things, and he says this single word. Spock. Which just freaked me the fuck out. Hey, Spock, yeah. I didn't remember that <laughs> he guy. He was so happy. I, look at Spock. Oh. I, just, I love that guy. The thing is, I'm really growing to love Next Gen. We're in the good part now. But mm. I still miss the original series. Yep. And it was. And this is th- that was the only acknowledgement of uh, Spock in the entire episode. Yeah, it was the only acknowledgement of Spock ever. Yeah. Like, apart from uh, Bones making a, a derogatory comment about Vulcans. Yep. That was it. Well, and him showing up. Yeah, well, yeah, but he, but I mean about Spock specifically. Oh, I see, okay. Yeah. No, there was another sort of veiled reference at the very beginning where Picard says, I was there when his son got married. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, Cybok's dead, so I guess Spock? Yeah. And you had said in the books that he married Savick, which is yeah, stupid. which is dumb. That's not canon also. Mm. Should be shot out of a cannon. <laughs> And I think the idea of Spock as a family man is really stupid. Yeah, no, that doesn't work at all. He's, his his family are very specific people who he doesn't get to see anymore. Yeah, it's Bones and uh, Kirk. Yes. <laughs> that's it. All right, so that's about enough of this. Now why don't we move on to the much more lighthearted Menage Troy. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding about that. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, so there's some sort of diplomatic beta Z thing being held on the Enterprise. There's a great deal of alien races, including the hated Ferengi, Ugh. gather together to play 3D chess and jam on giant wind chimes. Loxwana Troy is also there, chowing down on a truly epic mountain of coleslaw <laughs> and getting all up in Deanna's business about when are you going to settle down with Billy Boy and start squirting out babies. Loxwana is unfortunately unaware that nobody on the Enterprise has a kid until well into their 80s. Seriously, Picard and Crusher just had a baby in the Trek novels, and those are set 20 years after Farpoint. And Picard was fucking old then. Jesus. Anyway, Loxwana's sparkly dress and leathery cleavage draw the eye of some Damon who is not played by Armin Shimmerman or, uh, uh, Rom. And he attempts to typically, and he att- attempts typical Ferengi romance by trying to buy her. Loxwana pelts him with coleslaw and then storms off. Meanwhile, Deanna, whose biological clock is ticking almost as loud as her mother, is banging on the wall about how Dee should get sexed up by Billy Boy. <laughs> decides to take the sexy young Beardo down to the planet where they can provide enough material for Peter David to write two whole books about them hooking up. <laughs> While there, they encounter Luxwana, because of course they do, as well as Mr. Hom on his way to the Great Northern to appear before a wounded FBI agent. <laughs> While Mr. Hom is distracted by owls, Damon Horny Pants beams down and kidnaps the hell out of everybody. Set up in the Ferengi Brig slash Wet Bar, Billy and D, no, not Billy D. Williams... <laughs> easily escape by convincing their guard to let them out so that he and Riker can play chess. Yes, the Ferengi, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest threat the Federation has ever faced. <laughs> Meanwhile, Luxwana is, uh, seduces the daemon by giving him an ear handy until some other Ferengi, played by Neelix, shows up and suggests that they torture her instead. The daemon agrees, becoming less and less appealing to me all the time, but luckily Sweet D and Bilbo should rescue her before she can undergo too much torture. Luxwana negotiates a safe release for Dee and Bill and allows herself to stay with the daemon because it turns out that she's really into earwax. At that moment, the Enterprise shows up on a tip from Wesley, who has skipped out, of, out on his Starfleet Academy entrance exam so that he can become this most special boy on the ship for another year. After some more negotiation, after some more negotiating, and frankly my favorite scene in the episode, Luxwana is rescued and allowed to sit in Picard's lap while everyone laughs. Oh, we have such fun on the Enterprise! <laughs> I gotta say before we go any further, that is the most contrived Billy D. Williams reference I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that said, no, this was fun. I loved. This was a really good episode, and it was a lot of fun. We got this one. two episodes in a row that are quite good in completely mm-hmm. different ways. There is nothing like, and we pointed out. Okay, this is another episode about someone's parent who is an ambassador. Yeah, who is, apparently, it was uh, it was Parents' Day on the Enterprise I this guess, week. But that's it. That's where their similarity ends. There is no, no. But they are they show how this show can be great in two entirely different ways and two mm-hmm. entirely different character driven ways. Yep. There's not a lot of crazy sci-fi stuff going on in either of these. It's it's very character centric, and yeah, no, the whole the whole Ferengi thing is just an excuse to me- to have uh, Luxwana dick around for a while. But it's a very well. I'll get to this in my good thing, but it's a very much a classic farce. It absolutely of, is yeah. of this lovesick, sort of bad, sort of sympathetic guy just wants the woman, and mm-hmm. and this sort of comedy of errors that that comes about from that, and I quite like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go roll into your good thing, bad thing. All right. Uh, so this is a genuinely funny episode, and it's always nice to hear from Luxwana, but my very best good thing is that I will never have to look at Wesley's stupid goddamn unzipped pants ever again. <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't mention, but Wesley's promoted the full ensign in this. No, I did. And uh, did you? Oh, yeah, I suppose you did. Okay. Um, no, there's a there's a nice bit where um, he's got he's to gotta beam over to the USS Fuck Me Ray Bradbury. And inst- Greatest starship in history. Yes. And uh, instead, uh, he's, he figures out how to solve the problem of where Billy Boy is. Yep. And um, and he misses the, the ship, and Picard's like, well, how are we going to handle this? Well, I guess I'll put you in some proper clothes for a change. 
Look, if I have to keep staring at you, I might as well put you in a uniform, for God's sake. <laughs> and and actually, actually seeing Wesley in that uniform makes him so much easier to take seriously. I gotta say, he has not bothered me hardly at all this entire season. He's, no. He's still... He's actually been pretty good the last year. If I made a list of my favorite characters, he would be near the bottom, but... He has not mm-hmm. been anywhere near as annoying. They're telling stories about a cadet versus, you know, the child on the Enterprise. And they're, yeah. they were, we're, we're now meant to be taking him seriously as a junior officer instead of as the token kid. I I feel like like most of the Wesley hate really seems to come from like the from like season one. Well, yeah, we were talking about this, too, how very early in season one he saved the ship two weeks in a row. But that was it. He's mm-hmm. not saved the ship. I mean, he's contributed to solving a problem like everyone else does. I mean, like, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, he was just some kid and he was really sort of insufferable and know it all y. Yep. Making him part of the, you know, making him part of the bridge crew, like, it takes away that kid, that, yeah. that kiddiness and sort of just makes him, you know, another one of the guys. And you get the, the unique perspective that you don't get through any other character of mm-hmm. he, this is his first time doing a lot of things. And you had you had the story where he got to command a mission for the first time and it was a little rough because the guys tried to take advantage of him. And mm-hmm. you, you had the story, you know, uh, lots of lots of little things where he's got to take his tests and he's got to, you know. Like different stuff where he had the story where he tries to go on a date and beats up George. Well, yeah, I was gonna say goes on a date, but that wasn't really part of the episode too much. Oh. So, <laughs> um, but no, it's it's nice to to have that unique perspective and um, yeah, promoting him is a good way to keep him around. Yeah, and and you haven't you know you have an excuse for him to be on the show for another season and not say um, no, he's not going to Starfleet because he'd rather stay. Like they they come up with a good reason to keep him around. Yeah, I do like that your note originally says, I'm so glad to see Wesley finally out of those pants. Oh, shit, I better not say it that way on the show. <laughs> Damn you, Google Docs. <laughs> you shouldn't have left that there for me to see, Matt. I do read over your notes, too. Uh, what about your bad thing? Uh, I really felt kind of bad for Damon whatever. Okay, you know, kidnapping and torture, not really the way to a lady's heart, but he does seem genu- genuinely smitten with Loxwana, the poor dope. Well, like I said, it's very farcical, and you're meant to sort of sympathize with him in a way, because he's just unrequited love, and oh, look, she's amazing, I want to, you know. He, he Ostensibly, he's supposed to be exploiting her tele- telepathic abilities to, you know, for negotiations, but you can tell he's really in love with her. Yeah, like, I always felt like that was just his justification, yeah. like, his justification, just like, yeah. oh, no, we'll use her for uh, negotiating. No, I believe as a Ferengi, he would totally take advantage of that. Oh, but yeah. I think he was in love with her. Yeah. And it was kind of sweet, the way the guy played it. I, don't, I feel like they figured out the Ferengi now, they don't annoy me anymore, because we're not yeah. meant to buy them as this looming, dangerous threat. Now they're sort of comic relief that can still be dangerous at times, Yeah, like this, because, I mean, they did take them hostage, and they did have torture devices, but they, you know, come on. <laughs> they're not. I mean, yeah. They're not the mysterious threat anymore. The only, the only way uh, uh, Riker getting out of his cell would have been like more easy was would be if there was a Ferengi dog in the brig <laughs> that he stole the keys from. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and that takes me right to my good thing. Uh, for such a tired farce plot, they actually do some pretty clever things, like Luxana and Deanna using telepathy to trick their way out. That was cool. I'd never mm-hmm. seen that before. Like uh, Luxana's sort of seducing the uh, ear, seducing the uh, the daemon, and and telling Troy what's going on. I sort of hate that sort of dawning. Oh God, I'm giving him a hand job. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but like Riker sending the coded signal, like that was mm. that ended up being the the crazy wind chime thing. Yep. Um, tricking his way out of the cell didn't even feel like. I mean, as you said, he was <laughs> the the guard was incredibly stupid. Oh yeah. But Riker's like, well, why don't we play chess together? You know, like it was. It was. That sounds like a good idea. It felt natural. It didn't. Don't feel, see how this could go wrong. Yeah, exactly, brother. But it didn't feel, you know, mm-hmm. like the typical, like like Kirk tricking his way out of the cell every other week. This yeah. this man is sick. I assume that's what they were going to do. This man is sick because <laughs> that's always what they do. And then they open the cell to see <laughs> well, if they're okay. Well, it helped that he had a doctor with him all the time. And that's true. But then you open the cell to see if they're okay, and then you give them that jump on the wall and kick them in the face thing. Yep. And, you know, they didn't do that. Uh, like I said, I also quite like the Wesley plot that came up with a decent way to explain why he hasn't left yet. Yep. Um, my bad thing? Uh, you know, I bet you think I'm going to hate that title, Menage Troy. I don't, actually. Mm-hmm. It's kind of clever. It's kind of cute. And I know exactly which one this is when I when I go through an episode guide. Yep. Doesn't bother. Actually, I, I, I had assumed, like, if we hadn't already done the episode, I would have assumed it was the one where she was super horny. <laughs> nope. I, I just remember because there's three there's three of them. <laughs> oh, it's a nice clever thing where there's you know it's Riker, uh, Troy, and uh, other Troy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the basis for uh, Three's Company. Yep, exactly. Um, I uh, I'm actually struggling to find a bad thing. Both of these episodes were top notch in very different ways. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm going to go with the thing that we haven't officially named as a bad thing before. But everyone's automatic knee jerk racism toward the Ferengi is just it it's so rampant. Yeah, when they it's really when they get beamed aboard, they, cool. they they play the smell card again. Riker says, "Well, judging by the smell, we're aboard a Ferengi freighter." Like, really? It's like, dude, I looked at that Ferengi freighter. It's actually quite clean over no, there. No, we made some jokes about how clean it was, and I said something like, "Well, they sold all their garbage." <laughs> I mean, it's, it was it was very it was pristine, and for him to complain about the smell, just come on, man. That's not cool. But even in the in the opening captain's log, like he's uh, he says the Ferengi the same way Seinfeld says Newman. <laughs> I, well, I think it's been long established by this point that Picard really hates the Ferengi. Yeah, but all Ferengi really? Apparently, like, yeah. Every one of them. Seems like it. Oh, all right. Also, they have data uh, offer an, uh, a technical explanation for why uh, Betazoids can't read. Ferengi brains, and I, yeah. I, I guess... Sorry, Data. No one cares. Yeah, no. Thanks, Enterprise. We don't need that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, Worf had a bit where he admired Luxana. I kind of like that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. She is a remarkable woman. Hi. Well, we, well we've, already, we've already realized that Worf has a, has a thing for older women. This is true. <laughs> between her and Pulaski. We also had this weird notion that he doesn't know what Wesley's name is. <laughs> He's just hanging back, <laughs> just staring at, at the at the op station. What or, or the con? And he's like, "What is that kid's name?" I got to know. I, I look at his head every day. I, just, I cannot what remember. Is, what will? No, Will's the other guy. What? Is it? Uh, is it Webley? <laughs> is that a human is name? Is that a human name? I, no. Damn it! I'll just call him Ensign, I guess. Hey, boy. Yeah, you get over here. <laughs> I haven't been I haven't been that tickled by 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 something like that in a long time. By one of our imagined scenarios that doesn't appear remotely anywhere in the show that we just There's invented. no proof of it whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> like the Yamato. Yeah, exactly. Oh. No, and I think it's a sign that we're getting more comfortable with this show and this crew that we can start doing that finally. Yep. For the longest time, it just felt like we were watching a different show every week, and the characters weren't that relatable. But yeah, it's just well, when are when are our guys going to come back? Yeah, but now it feels like these are our guys. 
Yeah. We're getting really familiar with them and we're getting into the good stories and we get we've had a story now for just about every character where we get in depth sort of in their head and we get what they're all about mm -hmm. and we like them. Really, we'll have the set once we start getting uh, the O'Brien stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's pretty much everyone. But I mean, the show I, is starting like the, the ship is starting to feel like, yeah, this is where we, you know, we're hanging yeah. out with our friends. This is home. This is where we belong. Yep. This is why I didn't like the later Trek movie. Well, one of the reasons I didn't like the later TNG movies was we weren't on that familiar ship. I spent yeah. seven years on that ship with those guys. And then we're on these weird sets that I'd never seen before and this weird looking ship I'd never seen before. I just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like the same thing to me. It felt like a whole other thing. Yeah. I like the familiarity of, of that ship. I don't know. I never felt the sort of the same fondness for the D that you have. Oh, fair enough. I like it. I know. Also, it's... That's, and that's fine. It's so cold in the D. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's actually a bit of... Um, like, while this is totally a comedy episode, mm -hmm. there's a hint, and we'll get this later, of Luxana's sort of underlying sadness. She's getting old. She's alone. Yeah. She's kind of pushing herself on her daughter because that's all she's got at this point. Yeah. I, I, There's a couple of I don't moments. sort of like the whole, oh, when are you going to have a grandchild? No, but you see where it comes from. Yeah. There's a couple of moments where she just has this sort of wistful look. Mm. And there'll be episodes. I might be projecting from what I know about the later episodes, but they'll play that up way more where she's this outgoing woman and she's, you know, kind of crazy or whatever, but she's also really lonely. Yeah. And I like that. I like that since uh, uh, Deanna's, father died that yeah she's she's slutting around she's flirting with every guy but really she's alone yeah. it's just sort of sad uh, i mean you know it's like it's sort of like that early widow thing where it's like well now what do i do yeah exactly and you know she's she's a total extrovert and she can handle herself in public but privately oh, totally. she's, you know, so i like that i like that that major barrett's a better actor than you think she is oh yeah no she's she's fantastic and and also and I'll say this once again, when you when you put Marina Sirtis in a comedic story, she's great. She was fantastic oh, yeah. in this. She was Absolutely. hilarious. She she works well off uh, Major Barrett. She works well off Jonathan Frakes. Mm. When we're not meant to take her seriously, she's great. Yeah. Um, if they if they had just I don't know made her more like I don't know fun or something. Yeah. She's always, when it's, she's doing her job, when she's doing the job of being, you know, feeling empathy and listening to people's problems, she's stiff and unrelatable. Yeah. When she's not doing that, she's she's warm and inviting. Yeah. No, and I mean, like, you get that from Marina Sirtis, just seeing her. Oh, she's such a like, fun person. She is. She has she's, this great she's, energy. She's hilarious, for one thing. Yeah, time. and she has this great energy, and she's very down to earth, mm. and she plays Deanna very cold. And now it feels like the character can turn that off, and she's only cold at work, and that's just even. Uh, this is a very strange choice. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's a great bit with Riker, where uh, they're talking to Wesley at one point, and they're sitting in ready room, and uh, Picard's sitting there with his with with one leg like his leg crossed, mm -hmm. drinking tea. Sort of typical Picard yeah. pose. And then they sort of pan zoom over. And you see Riker sitting there in the exact same pose, drinking the exact same tea in the exact same way. <laughs> Me too, right, boss? Yeah. I don't know if that was Frakes fucking around or if they directed him that way. I would not put it past oh, no, Frakes the, for a second. The way those guys talked, that, that. that set was a lot of fun, and those guys were all friends. Yeah. And I suspect he was just doing that to, to mock Patrick Stewart, and they left it in. But it's, <laughs> oh, God, it was so funny. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Jonathan, you ruined the take. Well, tough. Yeah, we're out of film. We're leaving it in. I'm Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> no, you're not. That's the wrong accent. 
This also really supports my Will and Deanna fuck when they're single theory. Yeah. Because uh, Deanna doesn't want to hear about marriage. She just wants to wander around Beta's at uh, making out with Billy Boy. You know, I like uh, I like the idea that, uh, uh, like, basically, uh, Lux One is just like, well, go hook up with go hook up with Billy Boy. You like him? Go. No, go mother, do I'm not going to do that. And, then, and Troy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll show you. Scene. Come on, Bill. We're going down to Beta's yeah, end. To make out. To make out. <laughs> You know, and they like, and the way they sort of just fall back into it, yeah. like that is that that is the best proof I've seen so far that they that they uh, still. Uh, yeah, but I think they just get up to I don't, shenanigans occasionally. I don't think they're in love, and I don't think they intend to get married. I think, like I say, when they're both single, I think they're just like, well, we both like sex. Why don't we just do that? Oh yes, we know we're good at it. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. <laughs> we're the we were the best sexers on all of Beta Z. Yep, this is a planet full of naked people. Oh yeah. Speaking of that, the the way that the the Ferengi beamed uh, 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 Deanna and Loxana without their clothes mm-hmm. is just fucking fantastic. So, okay, you guys got some pretty good targeting. I don't know. I don't know if O'Brien could pull this oh, off. Oh, I bet he could. He, Who am I kidding? Of course he, he could. wouldn't. He wouldn't because he's an honorable guy. But he totally could because mm-hmm. he's the best. And the fact and the fa- the fact that he knows that has has helped him through quite a few lonely nights. Well, it's not like his horrible wife is going to help him. No. <laughs> Don't need this. I could beam a woman out of her clothes in a second. <laughs> what was that, Niles? Oh, what was that, Miles? Oh, nothing. Coming to bed just now. <laughs> no, nothing, dear. I swear. <laughs> Maris. Uh so let's let's talk about the end there where Picard is forced to uh to fight for Luxana. Oh, yeah, this is actually my quote, so if you want to just uh, stick that up now, I yeah, guess. Yeah, stand by for a ten-minute quote, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. My love is a fever, longing still for that which longer nurseth the disease. Tell me more. In faith, I do not love thee with mine eyes, for they in thee a thousand errors see, but tis... My heart that loves what they despise, who, in despite of view, are pleased to dote. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Let me not you didn't the tell me that mind. you and Captain Picard were... You said you didn't want to hear about my other romances. I have a new love, Jean-Luc. And you can't keep killing all my lovers. Now that simply has to stop. Killing? Oh, it's insanely jumpy. I kept looking for a cutoff point for that one, and it just kept being better no, and better it's, and better. it's so funny. And you're missing a little bit when you don't see his face, because Patrick Stewart first plays it as like, well, I guess I gotta do this. And then he mm. really starts getting into it. He's like, this is fun. Yeah. And by the end... Well, I mean, if there's one thing Patrick... Or if there's one thing Picard loves, it's acting in front of people. Well, and I love Patrick Stewart, the great actor, playing Picard as a not very good actor. Yes. Because he's he's pretending to be angry not very well. But then he's reading off the Shakespeare, and he's really getting into it with the gestures and his smiling yep. or whatever. But then when Luxana beams back and sits on his lap, he's really uncomfortable. Like, okay, it's one thing to pretend I want you back, but now that you're here, go away. <laughs> okay, that's that's about enough of that. Get yeah, off. Yeah, you're rescued. Go now. <laughs> oh, Jean-Luc, is that a phaser in your pocket, or are you just happy to see uh, me? We don't have pockets. Get off. <laughs> No, it was fun, and and like I say, you're missing a little visually, but uh, but it's still fantastic. Yeah, and the cutaways they do to Deanna and and War Warf, Warf particularly, like what is this? <laughs> well, Warf's still trying to figure out who that kid is. <laughs> the whole scene, he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't care. The captain's got this handled. Who is that kid? 
I, I, I know write it down. I, I should have asked him on the first day. In, maybe if I bump into him, I can get his wallet. Oh, wait, we don't have money. We don't have pockets. Damn it. Damn it. I really should have asked on the first day. It's way too late now. <laughs> if I'd known he was going to stick around, jeez. <laughs> I thought he was. Well, do I have to get to know every kid on this damn ship? I guess I do. Maybe they should wear name tags. Maybe I should recommend that at the next meeting. That's what we should do. Name tags. <laughs> Uh, and I don't then, believe this. I was at his birthday party, for God's sake. Happy birthday. What did it say? Happy birthday. Uh, I don't remember. Willie. Worf? No. no, that's me. Shit. I'm Worf. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but the, the wrapping up that whole Picard thing was uh, at the end, he's like, uh, Ensign Crusher said, said, of course, to Beta said, uh, Warp 9. Get us the fuck out There's of here. There's another promotion for you in yeah, interview. Hurry. You'll be Lieutenant Crusher if we can get there within 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, sir. No, and it was really nice. They played up the uh, Wesley entering in the uniform at the end. Like they start that was this, really cool. With this nice shot of his boots, and then they move up to the, the whole thing. And I don't think they overplayed that at all. I think it was a long time coming, and the whole bridge crew's proud of him. And I, yeah. I like I said, I don't love him, but I was kind of proud of him, too. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, it's... There's a guy it's, doing well on the Enterprise. Giving him the uniform, that's a big step. It is. Because, I mean, he's been wearing nothing but shit for the past three years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better than the rainbow thing, but this is... It's better than the rainbow thing. It's better than the stupid gray uniform that I loathe. Yeah. No, this is, this is good. And, uh... And I take him even more seriously now. But like I said, this whole season, he's been pretty bearable. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, apparently, there was a, a bit of a behind-the-scenes thing, and you you said that Will Wheaton had a story about that, about how oh, he yeah. wanted no, more there money. Was a, I'm pretty sure this is when this happened. What By, by this point, the, the, uh, the show was actually making money, and they knew they were going to be sticking around. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of that has to do with why they uh, went for a two-parter to end the season sure. off with. Uh, and uh, Will Wheaton went to Will Wheaton's agent uh, asked for more money, mm-hmm. and uh, the producer said to him, "Well, we can't pay you anymore, but if you want, uh, we can promote your character, <laughs> which you know is which is the same as money." Yeah, no, I mean he was a big nerd, and I'm sure he got into that a bit. Mm. But the thing is, they did this little behind-the-scenes ceremony where Gene, and for all our trouble with Gene, he was, you know, he was a decent guy and he kept the show going. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, we could make tasteless jokes, and I'm sure we will when it comes to the point where he dies. But it, Oh, absolutely. If he was, I'm looking forward to but it. If he was, but still. if he was suffering from mental stuff like Sarek was, that's not cool. No. And, and those guys having to watch him go through that is not great. But he actually presented um, Will Wheaton with his um, – I think it was his lieutenant stripes or something like that. His yeah. his rank insignia from the war. Yeah, it basically uh it basically was uh like like the ensign rank for the navy, I think. No, uh ensign is the navy. He was in the army air corps which okay. eventually okay. was the air force. But um no, it was just a nice thing like because he he was always sort of the uh, the fantasy fulfillment character for him. His his middle mm-hmm. name is is um Wesley. Yep. And Wesley was always supposed to be, you know, sort of the idealized version of Gene. And so it was, a, it was a nice little thing. You got promoted here. I want you to have this keepsake that I earned in the war. Mm. And, it, and as it happens, uh, uh, General Colin Powell happened to be there for that. So it kind of made it feel more like a real military thing. And I imagine that was really cool. I haven't heard Will Wheaton talk specifically about that. But mm. I imagine it must have been very cool for him. Oh, absolutely. Being 16 or whatever and getting this cool thing. And, you know, mm. it, it's very nice. Yeah. 
All right. Any any further business? Any further business? I think that's everything. This was fun. This was a fun episode. And like I said, the the other one was a bit heavy, and so it was nice mm. to, to. That was a nice. Uh, it was a nice pairing. The two of these. Yeah, it was. Two of the best episodes of the season in entirely different ways. Yep. Which is great. But speaking of best episodes of the season. Oh, son. Yeah. Here, we, this is. We've been talking all season about how this this is when the show starts getting good, but it goes to a whole fucking new level next week. Yeah. This is this is where you know shit gets real. Mm-hmm. The they, uh, they used to play this one as, a, like, just a movie when uh, my local station did the sort of movie of the week thing. Yep. Well, and, and I'm a little disappointed in part two, but we'll get there when we get to part two. Part yeah. one is flawless in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm a little sick of it because I've seen it a lot, but I'm going to try and yeah, judge it on its own but I mean, merits, there's a reason so. you see it a lot. It's because it's one of those ones that you can just be all like, fuck yeah, yeah. I'll watch Best of Both When worlds. I feel like watching Star Trek, I'm going to watch that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what the other one is, and I don't care. We'll just... <laughs> we'll just uh, suffer through that even if it's great because uh yeah we want to get to the mm. we want to get to the good stuff yeah so that's next week and then we got uh, puppet show coming up so look forward to that um matt say your thing and let's get out of here mandrosen The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.